know, we, we spoke a little bit about failure. Failure is only failure if you're willing to call it failure. Otherwise, it was like a great experiment. If you're looking to leave the nine to five and to elevate your side hustle, the Hustle the Day podcast is the podcast for you. Your host, Trent Bray, left the nine to five grind behind and is helping others do the same and focus on the future. Hear from others who have done it and how they did it. Jump in as we talk entrepreneurship, mindset, and strategy. Just take it one day at a time and hustle the day. On this episode of the Hustle the Day podcast, I am fortunate to have Toby Goldstein on the show. Toby has an interesting story coming from a typical 9 to 5 environment, seeing where people thrived and benefited from wherever they were, which led to her creating her own business, bite-sized workshops where she focuses on employee engagement. This is going to be a great one. Let's jump into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle of the Day podcast. My name is Trent. Super excited and honored to have Toby Goldstein on the show. Toby, why don't you jump in? Tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm excited too. My name is Toby Goldstein, and I help you win the marketplace by winning your workplace. In other words, it's employee engagement that I do. <laughs> I like that line, though. That That's a catchy line, so that, that works out well. Uh, so we talked a little bit before we started recording, but how is it that you kind of get started in employee employee engagement? I never thought I was going to do it, but once I saw the difference and the impact that it makes, I was like, oh yeah, I'm sticking to this. But basically just a little bit of background. I have been working with a group of employees in the past, and I had noticed that we have different types of employees. Some employees give their all to the business. Some of them you know, are there to collect paychecks. And there's nothing wrong with that, but they're there to just to collect paychecks. And then there are some that will come in the next day and say, you know what, Toby, I thought about maybe doing something like this, or how about switching something up like that? And I'm like, where are you coming from? I want 10 of you over here. And that's when I actually studied people and, you know, how they work and what makes them tick. And I realized a lot of it falls back on employee engagement. You want that top employee, you got to work for it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's it's great for you know a lot of these people that listen to the show that may have just started their company and are thinking about hiring employees. It's good to have these skills in place beforehand rather than being you know being reactionary and trying to figure out how to do all these things after the fact, because I mean, setting those, those uh, values in place up front can make a world of difference in employee engagement. A hundred percent. I say first, it all starts with awareness. Who are you? What does your company stand for? What are you looking for an employee? And everybody's looking for something else. And there's nothing wrong with saying, I want a hardworking employee, or I want an employee who's flexible with traveling. And that's okay. As long as you are aware of what you're looking for and what you need and your values, who your company is and what you stand for. If you stand for honesty, then you know exactly what to look for when you're looking for an honest person, right? You're not just going to go look for just anybody. But if you stand for professionalism, goes back, you know what you're looking for. So it really helps once you're very clear with that awareness piece. And then comes the hard part. It's like, okay, so I know I want somebody that's professional and I know I want somebody that's honest. Now, what am I going to go ahead to do? And then comes your onboarding is mm. how am I going to set up this employee for success? What am I going to do? And I'm going to tell you, it's in your hands. 
Yeah, it's not just the employee. It's like, oh, he didn't come in so great. He's not doing such a great job. All of this is in your hands. Is what am I doing to set up employee for success? And that's going to include your meeting, the first day. How do you introduce your employee? Is your if your employee is working on site, is everything nicely set up over there and ready for him? Is your employee very clear job expectations? And this I say is a must. Clarity at this point is absolutely vital. What is this employee doing? And then what are you giving your employee to help them know what they're doing, right? If you're expecting them to do computer programming, do they know exactly what you're talking about? It's like, yeah, I know that they're coming in with experience and you were purposely looking for somebody with experience, but have you given them the tools that they need? Have you set them up? And then comes the next part. It's like, we end up forgetting about them. And it's one of the most important parts is you want to set your employee up for success is follow-up and accountability. How often do you meet with your new employees? How often are you checking in? And it's not just like, hi, Trent, how you doing? How's your day? I'm running into my office. If you need me, I'm there. I was like, he's not running to your office. He's a new employee. He's not coming that fast to you. It's like, Trent, can you show me what you accomplished yesterday? Where are you finding those bumps along the road? What can I do to help you? And don't just like say it one foot in and one foot out the door. Sit down. And say, Trent, you know what? Last 15 minutes of a day, let's wrap up for the next week so that I know, you know, how things are going for you. Yeah. If you want to set somebody up for success, you need to put in the effort too. It's not, like you said, it's all in your hands. And you know what? I, I really like that you mentioned that. I was uh, talking with another individual and personally, I feel like I had, I know the answer to this, but I want to get your perspective on it. They talked about how they were in the restaurant industry for 13, 14 years, something like that. And they talked about how difficult it was to find good employees in that specific industry. And they just had given up on it. They said, you know what, it's, I'm just going to get bad employees all the time. So tell me, (laughs) do you feel like that is a truthful statement or is it just, they didn't set up the right expectations or they didn't uh, set up the right core values and things like that? So I'm going to start off with like, Ouch, that hurts. <laughs> that really, really hurts. And I'll tell you why is because people would, if your culture is set up right and your employees are happy, people are going to want to come work for you. That's number one. And I see that, you know, at this time where people are working remotely and people and some people, you know, are starting to go back into the office and you're taking the step back. And if you didn't, please do take that step back and reflect and say, how was it working out for my employees? Were things really messed up or were things okay? And things progressively got better. And if you say things were really messed up, I would say it wasn't just messed up now over the time period. It was messed up before the pandemic hit. It's because you didn't set things up right. I understand you might've had some, you know, a hard time setting things up the first few weeks, but then things should have transitioned. And if things did not transition well, then your employee culture, your employee engagement, no, was not the best beforehand. I'm sorry if I hurt some of you, but that's the truth. And you're going to have to embrace it in order for you to move forward. So number one is if you have a great culture, people are going to want to work for you. And people are going to say, hey, I work for bite-sized workshops. Very proud of it. This is what I do. Another important factor is you can let your employees know, look, we're looking to hire. And if your employees are happy, they're going to refer great people to you. And that's something that's very important for you to know. Sometimes the best people come from your employees. Is Sometimes, yes, if you want to promote, they come from within, but sometimes it's the best 
coming from your employees. Your employees are doing all the work. All you have to do is just interview and say, okay, we're starting next Monday. Because they told them all about your company. Now, sometimes you're looking for certain criteria and you're not finding certain criteria. You have to ask yourself, what is the most important thing? And then what am I willing to help the employee work on? Employees need training. It's a new company, new place. Training is going to be up to you. You know, as the famous saying goes, would you rather have bad employees working for you? Or would you rather have them, you know, and have them stay? Or would you rather have good employees and have them leave? That's a choice that you're going to have to make. But that's a very conscious decision that you have is, so let me train a new employee. And you know what's good? That actually follows your reputation. Toby left this and this company, but she's a great employee. So I know every single employee that leaves this particular company, great employees. What does that do for your company reputation? Right? So that makes a very big difference. It may take some time. It may be hard, but training is up to you. Your culture is up to you. Making that difference is up to you. Right? So a lot of it is in your hands. So when I started off and you asked me that question, I said, it's ouch. It's ouch. It's ouch. What does the culture look like beforehand? What's going on? Why can't employees find somebody else or let the word out of, you know, word of mouth come around is let the employees pay, you know, post that, hey, my company's looking for a job. Great place to work. If they're afraid to do that, go check within. There you go. <laughs> That was that was a great answer. I and I agree with you. I I completely agree with you that you know it is something that they had control over. They're now doing something else, and they're they're loving it. And the, it's just at that point in time in their life, that's what they believed. And so, um, I I agree with all the all the points that you put out there. Um, one thing that you mentioned though is that, you know prior to and where we are now, people are changing both for the good and for the better. So what have you seen more of people that are, you know, exposing their flaws by working remotely, or do you see people stepping into their own more often when working remotely? So as I mentioned to you before, it's what was your culture set up like beforehand? And things can change. You can now become aware that flexibility is absolutely important. But that doesn't mean that you always have to be flexible and there's no infrastructure or no structure in place. Right. So it's having that structure, but that flexibility and that understanding is people are working at home. Some of them may have children at home. Some of them may have pets at home and understanding that they may have a partner or a spouse working as well. From at home. So it's just understanding everybody's dynamic and then setting up a structure that's going to work for the company, for your employee, um, for you. In the beginning, when everybody was working remotely, I said, I always told companies, it's so important for you to maintain that culture and maintain that team and that togetherness is how often are you meeting with them? Doesn't have to be a long meeting, but how often are you making them feel that they're part of a greater whole? It's not that I'm working at home and, you know, this child is making noise, phone is ringing off the hook, doorbell doesn't stop, neighbor I hear yelling outside is like, help. It's understanding that I'm working at home and I'm creating something as I'm working from at home and 
I know I'm sitting at my computer at home. So is Trent sitting at his computer at home. I can reach out to him if I have anything. And so is Brian. And so is Michaela. I know everybody is working at home. And I feel that, you know, we're working together. Is have that little bit of that meeting is to bring everybody back together. So yes, it is a change, but it's taking that step out and say, what does my company need? And not only my companies, what do my employees need? Is your team together? It's not just your employees and it's not just the company. It's together. What can we do together? Now, every company is going to look very, very different. For example, myself is I have an accounting client, right? And now accounting, we understand available nine to five, not really, you know, time before or after that. So this company Make sure that there's somebody always to answer the phones from nine to five, set things up. They need that professional setting. What could we do? Another company, creative agency. Now, what happens when you call your creative agency? It may happen 1030 at night. Great idea. And you expect to reach out to them. So that's something that you must know is who are you? What's your company? What's your expectations for the company over there? And just really knowing how to go ahead to work things, set things up that's going to make sense for your company, for your employees. Yeah, absolutely. That that can definitely make all the differences, you know, knowing what people need to be doing and how they can set things up. So, what a lot of people starting their companies do, typically their first employee in this type of atmosphere, it may be like a VA, so a, a virtual assistant. And one thing that you do is you have this, you teach employee engagement. You've had to work a lot remotely, do this Zoom thing that uh, we all love so much. So how do you engage employees that are working remotely or you know, maybe in a different time zone or things like that. How do you work around that? So I'm lucky. I'm going back to my structure before, you know, everybody started working remotely is I have clients from all over. So number one is I have been setting up already on Zoom and familiar already with Zoom. The second thing is I'm flexible with timing because my clients are from all over the place. My schedule reflects that. My timing reflects that, which means I may stop working three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm home for my children at that point. But then again, I start working at 8.30 p.m. And that works well for those in LA or for those you know all around the world in different ends. I may though start working at seven o'clock depending on the days, depending on that client's particular need. For me, it's that flexibility made a very big difference, which works very well. And also, I found the difference of keeping, you know, the fatigue that you're always hearing out there. So at point, and because I have been doing it beforehand, is I knew how to keep my Zoom going, whether I was doing a workshop on Zoom or whether I was coaching one-on-one or whether I was just being an employee. So first meeting with employee generally would be as, like, yeah, this is me. I'm actually real. So when I'm going to send you that email, you're going to think of Toby. You may be thinking it's like, oh yeah, she's wearing that white sweater again. Okay. That's okay. But as long as you have that image of me over there, which is something that's important. And then I may be contacting them and then, you know, having different methods of contact. But the first thing is actually see me. I'm a live person. So when I'm sending you that email, it's not a piece of paper. It's not written words. It's a person, Toby in the white sweater hey, I'm going to respond to that email, you're actually real. So it's building that relationship and varying the different ways that you're going to communicate. 
a very big part for me when I was doing, you know, when I was meeting a couple of people online was making sure that they're continuously engaged. I would ask a question and say, okay, guys, a couple of you, can you just raise your hand so we could see? And meanwhile, you see everybody's eyes scanning. Who else is raising their hands? Okay, I'll also raise my hands going on over there. Or I would, you know, having them pick up different things or you could do surveys online. So I did vary with something like that to help people continuously engage. I actually did something very interesting and it's a great question that you're asking. It's because when I know this pandemic is hitting so much more and so many more people are going on Zoom, I said, I'm getting off Zoom. I said, my clients need a break from Zoom because they're going from Zoom call to Zoom call to Zoom call. Of course, when they're getting to Toby, they are Zoomed out, right? It's like, Toby, I can't even think of your white sweater at this point. It's, I am done, done, done. So you know what happened? Is I pick up that phone call. I say, you know what, put it on speaker. Or I would send that email with that, like the GIFs now work really well with the email. So I would, you know, insert something like that. So it's going to just make them laugh out loud and say, oh my gosh, Toby, you just made me laugh out loud and I had to respond. So it was always thinking of something, you know, with that different twist over there in order for them to keep them engaged. So yeah, so when I noticed that a lot of people were going on Zoom, it's like, get off Zoom, get off Zoom. They may be happier to get that email from you. At this point, things are slowing down a lot on Zoom, still heavy with Zoom, but I still may go on. And sometimes I would ask them, I say, listen, phone call, Zoom call, you tell me. Yeah. Yeah. Presenting those options that that can definitely make a difference and we'll let you know if people are feeling that Zoom fatigue. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or like when as soon as I saw that somebody's like went on to a Zoom call and like did not turn on the video, I was like, okay, seems like we need that phone call. And it seems like you're not dressed for this. Am I right? So depending on the nature of the call, sometimes I said, let's get onto a phone call or sometimes it's let's reschedule. Right. Yeah. It's like I want to see your face. I want it. You know, we spoke a little bit about communication. I want to see your nonverbal communication. And I understand that you may not be dressed and extremely uncomfortable going on to video. Okay. Now's not the good time. Yeah. Flexibility sometimes is key. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is, I had it calls is. at like one o'clock a.m. sometimes through the thick of things is because everybody had noise all around and they couldn't think until one mm. o'clock. I was like, okay, cool. Do one o'clock. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm usually more of the, the early riser rather than the, the um, night owls. So, you know, I've had Zooms at you know 5 a.m. or something like that, but not typically the, the 1 a.m. So glad you have yeah. that flexibility. Yes, I would do five as well. But if my kids wake up and they come into the Zoom call during PJs with PJs, it's like, you got to deal with it. Yeah. I actually, during the pandemic, just it was interesting is I allowed one child in on a call once a week. Hmm. Crazy. But it just, what it did for me was it allowed my kids to let me be on the calls and have the absolute silence or whatever we could call absolute silence at that point when they're around, but also, you know, to help them be understanding, see what's going on, help them learn what's, you know, happening. Um, and for, for them to be okay, sometimes it was like, yeah, mommy's not available right now. And then sometimes for, you know, the other person to actually see what's going on and say, you know, this is it, this is life. So you got a kid in pajamas, life. Right. <laughs> I'm glad they're wearing them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've had my son come down and, and you know, in, interrupt a, a call before and it worked out well, you know, was interviewing someone else who was a parent. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but 
you know, dogs barking and things like that, that, that happens. So that's, that's real life. <laughs> this is real life guys. We're not hiding anything. <laughs> Although I am hiding a couch behind this backdrop. So like, I'm just, just uh -oh, full so transparency. <laughs> uh, so tell me about bite-sized workshops. So what is it and you know, what do you do there and how do you help people? So what happened with bite size is I cannot sit. No, I don't have ADHD. Okay, maybe I was never diagnosed with ADHD. I cannot sit. I had been having to go to workshops plenty or take a lot of courses throughout my work. And I found myself sitting eight hours at a time. And I used to get really frustrated. Went in, spent an entire workday, could have heard what was shared in that half hour, 45 minute slot have to go b travel back home, come home late, be exhausted. Next day, starting off exhausted, having to catch up with the work that I missed. Whatever I learned from that workshop went boom, straight out the window because it was time consuming. It was frustration. I just couldn't concentrate. I couldn't even remember sometimes what they said. Even if I took notes, I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? Or like, oh yeah, I remember something. And it was like, okay, this is like really not the way. So I sat down and I actually did some research to find out how do people really learn? We want people to remember stuff. Like I'm here, I want to teach. And how do I have people remember stuff? I actually did it for my meetings with my employees is how do I make sure to set things down really, you know, well that they remember it. Meetings shouldn't be too long. And it came out with the bite sizes, keep things short to the point, impactful, extremely relevant, and then revisit. And that's where my accountability factor comes in. It's, I keep it to the point. I want to know exactly what you want out of it. It takes me longer to prepare a bite-sized workshop than just me coming in and just going on and on, you know, for eight hours straight. I could talk about whatever you want, <laughs> but it's, it's really, you know, being extremely focused on what it is that they're looking for. And then I have my accountability factor is like, okay, Trent, you promise that you're going to follow up with employees weekly. I'm going to follow up with you weekly and say, hey, how's your follow up coming along? What are you doing? What do you need to ensure that it's actually going to happen is you got the skills and the tools by the workshop, but that doesn't mean anything. It was like, you thought about it. You're like, oh yeah, great idea. But then it goes like, boom, straight out. But what happens over here is like, I'm not letting it just be a great idea. You got to turn that into action because that's life. If we don't turn things into action, then we all remain with wistful dreams. We actually spoke about that, you know, you know, similar to what you do is, you know, building your own business or going out on your own. It's guys, don't let that remain in your dreams. You could do that. You yeah. really could. And, you know, we, we spoke a little bit about failure. Failure is only failure if you're willing to call it failure. Otherwise, it was like a great experiment. Guys, I had an experiment about, you know, it's up to you how you're going to call it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Sometimes there's monetary value attached to that experiment, but you know what? That That's great, great learning experience. Hey, um, we pay for school. Exactly. We pay for college. <laughs> Uh, I, a good friend of mine talked about that. He's like, you know what? I spent, you know, X amount of dollars on my MBA and I learned more investing $6,000 into a business that than I ever did in that MBA by actually having that hands-on experience. So and that's one of those things that. where that experience can be priceless and you need to get out there and try it. And like you mentioned, the idea just kicks around and it doesn't serve you at all. So the main th main thing that I'm working on now is the the hustle energy brand where I've got a focus product and 
And that sat around as an idea for four years and it just did nothing for me. Right. It then took three years from there to actually get it produced and all that. But it was just one of those things where it just kicked around for a while. And it's like, why did I not do this sooner? I mean, that just would have been so much more beneficial on a multiple levels. It's just one of those things. You can't just sit on the sidelines with your idea. You have to get out there and execute. Oh yeah. The only regret that you'll have from exercising your idea is why didn't I do that sooner? Sooner. So I would have failed sooner. So I would have started something else sooner. So now that I'm, you know, later in the game, it's like, that's the only regret that you're going to have. As long as you take the lesson out of it and you take the time to reflect. Yeah. So you saw this benefit of employee engagement. Where is it that you made this transition where you said, I need to teach this to other people? Kind of what is your entrepreneurial journey? So it was actually when I got frustrated that I was like, push Toby off the edge of the cliff. It starts when I was I was supervising juniors and seniors, helping them, you know, find internship sites throughout the summer, throughout the school year, if they were college students, and really watching them, some of them flourish and some of them wither, unfortunately, at their jobs. And it was really a, a lesson for me is what's going on? Is sometimes I sent such a bright student to such a great workplace, what happened? Or sometimes I sent somebody that was not such a strong student somewhere and they flourished, they got the promotion, they offered to pay for college for them. It was like, oh my goodness, how come I didn't get this right sooner? So it was really understanding that the workplace environment makes a very, very big difference. The skills that they have, the soft skills, I know everybody hates the term soft skills, together with how the company is helping them hone those skills, build those skills and work with them is all of a sudden they could bring that seed out to a beautiful plant. If the supervisor's right, if the company and culture is absolutely right for them. So I had noticed that some of them did extremely, extremely well. And that was just a thought process. You know, for me, it was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Companies make a difference where you work makes a very, very big difference. The skills that you're coming in with also makes a difference. And it wasn't just the hard skills. It's hard skills you could learn. You could learn how to train somebody as long as you know they are willing to do it. But certain skills, you can train somebody and you cannot flourish in an environment that does not allow you to flourish. So that was a very interesting eye-opening experience for me to understand that people could do really well if we allow them to do well. And not only do we allow them to do well, this student that I thought you know was not such a great student they actually offered to pay for college for them because the work that the student produced was absolutely magnificent because they allowed that to come out. And that's really when I became aware that how much is in our hands as supervisors, as employers, as leaders, as mentors of what we're really capable of. And it doesn't just affect us or affect our mentees or our employees, it affects the company as a whole. Is The reason why they offered to pay for the college was because the money that they're spending on the college is way less than the value that this particular student was bringing. So just take a minute to understand what we could do, the impact that we can have when we work with our employees. And I always like to say, our employees run our business. What tools do we give them to run efficiently? That's a, that's a good thought. Yeah, that is that is very true. Not a lot of people put the right tools in the right hands for the right personalities at the right company. It, it's just magic when that all comes together. 
but you, that's where you're helping out. And I love that you do the bite size thing. Like you mentioned, because me personally, I am the same way I can sit there and go to a conference for a couple of days. I'll sit there and write notes and I'll go back to the notes a couple of days later. And it would be like yellow 17. What is that even supposed to mean? I just, I have no reference point. I, it was just something that was spouted off real quick. It's like, Oh, I need to remember that. And then I go back to it and I have no idea what, what happened. So have you seen an improvement in people getting information by doing these works, these bite-sized workshops? Yes, because I actually track the information shared. For example, at the end of my workshop, I asked everybody, what is one thing? And I'm just asking for that one thing, because this one thing that you're going to choose is going to be the most impactful thing and the most reasonable thing for you to take into effect or, you know, create that action. What's that one thing that you're going to do differently? And bite size, step by step, we end up building big. So what's that one thing? Now I break it down even further. You decided on something. I helped you decide something before you leave my workshop. What do you need in order for you to be able to go ahead to do that? So I make sure the path is cleared. Now you're going back. And this is when the hard work actually begins because you leave excited, you leave passionate, and then things fizzle out. So I sent that reminder, that accountability piece. Trent, don't forget, you promised me you're going to have those follow-up meetings with your employees. Please tell me when it's scheduled. And Trent is like, oh, Toby, okay, I'm going to schedule it. And then when there's that constant feedback and that constant follow-up and that accountability piece, it ends up becoming habit. Every two weeks, I meet with them. Because Toby had initially pressured me and I did not want to follow up on it. It's a great idea. I love it. But I didn't want to follow up on that. But it ends up, you know, forming a place. So we touched on failures a little bit and what the those are reframed into not being failures. But I, I typically ask this of people, what was your biggest failure? And then I followed up with what did you learn from it? Because like you mentioned, if you dwell on the failure, it becomes a failure. Otherwise, becomes a learning experience. So what would you say was your biggest learning experience in going out and doing this on your own? So there's actually two learning experiences that come to mind. One is actually when I was an employee, I was scheduled to take vacation and I was overseeing a pretty large budget at that point. What happened was the day I was taking vacation, an email came in to ask to sign contract within two days. Otherwise, we lose that contract. It was a contract for a lot of money. Now, I did not see that email because I was busy traveling. I did have an email sent, you know, as an automated email that you're going to, that I'm not there. I'm not available. And please follow up with so-and-so. Now, what happened was my boss got that email and got really annoyed at me because I had lost that contract because the person who was supposed to, you know, follow up and get that email did not really look at their email too often. So I should have been down that person's back. Now, it wasn't, you know, in essence, I could say I take no blame. It wasn't my fault. We lost a tremendous contract. There was nothing that we can do. I could have just wallowed in that self-pity and that blame that it wasn't me or look to blame somebody else. And I would say it was one of my biggest failures, you know, at that point when that lost contract had actually happened. 
it took me some time to get over it because I was beating myself up. I was like, okay, I should have done this. I should have done that. But then it hit me. It said, it happened. There's nothing I can do to reverse that decision. I tried nothing. Live with it. Move on. Get the next big contract. So I am going to say that that was painful. But the lesson that I learned from something like that is number one is sometimes you just have to move on and not sit with something. And that's very important is because if you're constantly sitting and beating yourself up and beating yourself up and beating yourself up, you ain't going to get anywhere. No next new big contract is going to show up because you're busy beating yourself up for one that is done. It's lost. So that was something that I had learned. I also learned how to handle that a little bit with grace and to accept blame. You're right. I maybe could have blamed that this coworker should have gotten the email or checked because the coworker knew that I was on vacation. Or I could have blamed my boss and say, listen, you also knew that I was on vacation. Why weren't you on top? I could have blamed. But it's to accept blame with grace and plan for future. So the next time I took vacation, you could be granted for sure that I had taken those steps and put that in place. So looking at it, it was a learning experience, but we all need these learning experiences to bring us who we actually are. And obviously I took that learning experience and brought it over to my company, right? And when I go on vacation, I have a very clear system. I'm also very clear with clients telling them that I am taking vacation at that point. Or if I have a sale or contract in the works, I am very clear. I am not going to be available for that week. Or I may not have computer access. So definitely it was a lesson well learned and something that I share with a lot of people is be very clear. Yeah, Take blame, deal with it gracefully, right? So, and that's why I I love it that you're not calling it failures because it was a learning experience. It was a slap in the face, a big one. (laughs) But I learned. That's like the typical example of somebody that would just be like, nope, not my fault, out of my hands. They didn't do their job. Don't blame this on me. I see that all the time. That's what, I mean, it's like a slam dunk for them to just blame it on someone else. I love that you took the responsibility and learned from it and have implemented the system so it doesn't happen again because otherwise people just always stay in that victim mentality and they would end up blaming that other person and get resentful towards them and say, you lost this contract. And it's it's just a, a vicious cycle. And it's interesting because I took this lesson back home with my employees and with my kids as well is you made a mistake, handle it gracefully. We're human. We're not robots. No, we're not perfectionists. We're not perfect. There is no such a thing as a person who's superhuman. We all make mistakes. As long as you're going to admit that and be aware, you've got wings. (laughs) Absolutely. And to jump back a little bit, you, you mentioned people don't necessarily like the word soft skills. So one thing that has to a lot of people a negative connotation is the word hustle. (laughs) And so since this is the Hustle of the Day podcast, I want to get your personal definition of the word hustle because my personal definition isn't the 24-7, 365, grind, never get sleep. So I want to get your personal opinion on what what does the word hustle mean to you? So it's interesting because I'm very much in the work-life balance. I am a mom, flip to four girls. That definitely keeps me very, very busy and on my toes. 
And then I work and I do work full time. And sometimes I have to put in more. I'm always aware of that pendulums. You know, sometimes it goes more to one side, sometimes more to the other, but always being very attuned to it. So when I'm taking a look at the hustle and I would say is we all need to hustle in order for us to do the work that we want to do. Hustle means to me, it means work hard, but you're always keeping in mind that, you know, we would also say people hate the term work-life balance is work hard, but work with that focus and with that awareness. There's nothing wrong that some days you have to put in a lot of hours, but then acknowledge that some days I'm going to be putting in less hours. It's work hard. Do not be afraid of hard work. Do not fear failure, right? Be brave, be open, be vulnerable. Just go for it. Take that action. Take, be, do that hustle. Because if you don't take that action and you are afraid that you're going to get a slap in your face, you're going to get a slap regardless. I promise you that there's going to be slaps. The question is, is what type of slaps and what do you want to do with the slaps that you get? Oh man, I love that. <laughs> it, it is true though. You you will get slapped in the face at one one point or another. Even if you're an employee, it's just kind of one of those things. You can only lay low under the radar for so long, or you can only be the superstar for when so that long. Came. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was an employee, but it was a lesson. And you see, this happened a good few years ago, and I still remember it. So that means that the slap is still ringing. But I'll tell you what, I had taken that and learned from it. Yeah. That is awesome. So you, a couple, uh, something you've touched on a couple of times is awareness. So I want to be aware of that we're running out of time. So I want to give you an opportunity to plug where people can best find you. But before I do that, I want to ask you one final question, personal or business, what is it that excites you about the future? I am so grateful that we are where we are because I have noticed an upwards trend of understanding that employees are people, understanding that when employees are treated well, they bring so much more to the business and understanding that your employees are part of your team helping you grow the business. It took time. It did. It used to, you know, going back, take a look at the industrial revolution is our employees got to do what we, what we say and, you know, running through, but just seeing that shift over there. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see it as an upward trend is building that team and just understanding that we are a team together. So I'm looking forward to seeing actually what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you'll definitely notice that over the next couple of years, but there are definite shifts happening which, you know what, a lot of people would say we needed those shifts. So oh, yeah. that's, that is That's great. what makes my work, you know, worth it is just getting that call from that employee and just saying, you saved my life or you saved my marriage or wow, how'd you turn my employer around? What's going on? It's because the Bite Size Workshops, it's a team effort. It's I'm working with employees and I'm working with you. You want to get more from your employees? I'm working with you. I'm working with your employees. You want them to manage time, be more efficient communicate more effectively, or you want to understand what's going on or why aren't they doing things that you expect them to do is we're working together as a team. And you're just showing it that it's a whole package. Cause as I mentioned to you before, it's you, your team and the company goes upwards. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, you know, I appreciate all the time you've taken out your day to speak to my audience because this has been an awesome conversation. I really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit more, Toby, but where can people best find more information about you? You could catch me at LinkedIn. I'm Toby Goldstein on LinkedIn. Catch me at my website. That's at gobitesize.com. And I'm looking forward to hearing from you.
Yeah, absolutely. I'll make sure to include links in the show description so people can just click on those and uh, find you a little bit easier. But again, thank you for the time, Toby. I know I've gotten a ton of value out of this. So I know my audience has gotten value out of this. So I encourage you all to get out there and hustle the day.